We are a people of stories. That's how we make meaning. We tell stories to remind us of the past and to wrestle with who we are in the present and where we are going in the future. Birthdays are great times to tell stories. Birthdays were special in my family growing up, and I've always made sure that they were special for my own kids as they came along. They could choose their favorite meal, and they would open their special presents, and of course, we would tell stories about the day they were born. The first one who took his good old time arriving. The second who came so fast that we had to take the pizza that we, had, uh, that we were having delivered to the hospital with us so we could eat it after he came. And the third, when we were so relaxed, we watched both the Ryder Cup and part of an NFL game before she arrived. But the stories we tell are also of how we had wished and dreamed for them, how they came into the world loved and chosen, how miraculous it all was, and how our lives and our family were so enriched by their presence. The story we tell on Pentecost is no different, I think, and we tell it for some of the same reasons, because we need to be reminded of how it all started, with a vision and a dream, and how the disciples weren't at all sure that they were up to the task, much like new parents are often unsure that they are up to the task of raising a child. They weren't sure if they were up to the task of forming a church and launching Christ's message out into the world, a divided world. And so they tell the story of how miraculously God's Holy Spirit was sent to unite them and to inspire them to dream dreams and to envision how to make a difference in the world. It is the story of how we, the church, were birthed. And like any good family birthday story, at least ones around our dinner table, there's a little humor in it too. As some of the crowd were witnessing to the church's birth, they quickly surmise that the disciples must be truly drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. So listen now to the birthday story of the church. The scripture reading today comes from the book of Acts. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every people under heaven living in Jerusalem, 
And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the 11, raised his voice and addressed them. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit, come and open the closed doors of our minds to your truth. Come Holy Spirit and open our hearts to others, people we know and love, and people we don't know enough to love. Come and warm our hearts with the experience of God's love in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. It happened on a Sunday morning in a church a little bit like this one. As the sermon began, the preacher made his first point, and a woman who was sitting in the back of the sanctuary said, Amen, brother. And people around in the pews looked at her curiously. But when the preacher made his second point, the woman said, yes, preach it, brother. And there were stares from the people squirming in the pews. When the preacher got to his third and concluding point, the woman stood up and raised her hands and said, praise God almighty. Thank you, Jesus. And that was when the usher approached her and said, ma'am, is there something wrong? And she said, no, no, I have the spirit. And the usher said, you certainly didn't get it here. <laughs> but I think people do here. Today is Pentecost, the birthday of the church and the day when we celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit, the very breath of God in our midst. And what a story it 
was fire and wind and people speaking in different languages, confusion. The Spirit of God is on the loose, and sometimes it can make orderly church people like us a little nervous. But do me a favor today and take a deep breath in and now out. I've been thinking a lot about breath lately. I'm not sure we've totally, I think, come to grips with the trauma that we all experienced through those years of pandemic. For example, do you remember the feeling you got when you had to when you've had a face mask on for any period of time and, and when you get back in your car and you, or you get home and you can rip it off your face and take a deep breath and what a joy that is. I think we take breathing for granted. Writer Barbara Brown Taylor notes, if you have studied earth science, then you know that our gorgeous blue-green planet is wrapped in a protective veil we call the atmosphere, which separates the air we breathe from the cold vacuum of outer space. Beneath this veil, beneath that veil is all the air that ever was. There is no cosmic planet cleaning company that comes along every hundred years or so to suck out the old air and pump in some new. The same ancient air just keeps recirculating, which means that every time any of us takes a breath, we breathe stardust left over from the creation of the earth. We breathe brontosaurus breath, and pterodactyl breath. We breathe air that has been circulating through rainforests in Kenya, and air that has turned yellow with sulfur in Mexico City. We breathe the same air that Plato breathed, and Mozart, and Michelangelo, not to mention Hitler. Every time we breathe, we take in what was once some baby's first breath or some dying person's last. We take it in, we use it to live, and when we breathe it out, it carries some of us with it into the next person or tree or blue-tailed skink who uses it to live. Did you know the average person takes 28,800 breaths a day? That's 20.5 million breaths a year. That means in an average lifespan of 80 years, almost, we take almost a billion breaths. These breaths are part of the same life-giving breath that scripture tells us God breathed into the world at creation. In Hebrew, the word is ruach. In Greek, it's 
pneuma. In Latin, it's spiritus, which is what we, uh, which is where we get the word inspire, to breathe in. They all mean breath. In the first chapter of Genesis, it says the world was without shape or form. It was dark over the seas, and God's breath, God's ruach, swept over the waters. And one chapter later, we read that God formed the first human from the soil of the fertile land and blew God's ruach into him, into his nostrils, and he came to life. And you know what? God's first breath is still blowing through this world, filling our lungs with life. So take another deep breath. Taylor says that, that, that when Jesus let go of his last breath, willingly for love of us, that breath hovered in the air in front of him for a moment, and then it was let loose on the earth like a holy hurricane. It was so full of passion and love, so full of life that it grew in strength and volume until it was a mighty wind, which our story tells us God sent spinning through the upper room in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. God wanted to make sure that Jesus' friends were the inheritors of Jesus' own breath and that they had his very own breath to breathe. So there they were, Acts tells us, 120 of them with no breath at all, wondering what in the world they were going to do without Jesus, wondering just how they were going to continue his ministry to the outcast and to the poor and to the powerful and to the sick without his physical presence. It was enough to make them, well, breathless. Then out of the blue, they heard a mighty wind head their way. Before they knew it, that mighty wind had blown through the entire house, striking sparks that burst into flames above their heads. And with it, they discovered they discovered a reserve of strength they did not know they possessed. They came face to face with God's Holy Spirit, God's holy breath. I picture them standing there, all the disciples inhaling God's breath, filling themselves to the gills with God's spirit. And soon they found themselves telling stories of, of what God had done in their lives. They burst out in languages that they did not even know they could speak, telling the story of how they once were no people, but now they were God's people. Somehow interconnected, one race, black, brown, and white, and understanding what happened to one happened to all. Like a room full of preschoolers vying for attention, they created such a racket that they attracted others who were passing by who surmised that they were drunk. These timid disciples 
suddenly found themselves telling their own stories about who God is and what God had done in their lives. People listened and the crowd grew. Before the day was over, the church had grown to more than 3,000. We can imagine that shy people became bold, scared people became gutsy, and lost people found a sense of direction. Disciples who had not believed themselves capable of tying their own sandals without Jesus discovered abilities and gifts within themselves that they never knew they had. In short order, they were doing things they never thought they could do. And there was no explanation for it except that they dared to inhale on the day of Pentecost. They had sucked in God's own breath and been transformed. We tell this story on Pentecost, not as a quaint tale of something that happened long ago. No, we tell it because we believe God's Spirit still works this way. The Holy Spirit, the very breath of God, is at work here and now in this place, in your life, and in mine. Taylor asks, do we still believe in a God who blows through closed doors and sets our heads on fire? Do we still believe in a God with power to transform us, both as individuals and as a community? Or have we come to an unspoken agreement that our God is pretty old and tired by now? Someone to whom we may address our prayer requests, but not anyone who will change our lives. The Holy Spirit has often been the most difficult person of the Trinity to wrap our heads around. We can describe God the Father, creator of heaven and earth. We know God the Son, who was human like us, our savior, teacher, helper, and friend. But God the Holy Spirit is harder, I think, for us to describe. The trick, though, I think, is to recognize the Holy Spirit when she does blow through our lives, rearranging things or opening things up or maybe even setting our lives on fire. There are a lot of people who say they have never encountered an experience of God in their lives. But then when you talk to them about their lives, it becomes pretty clear that they actually have. They just didn't recognize it. They did not know what to call the experience, so they wrote it off to coincidence or good luck. Truly, the Holy Spirit breathes through us all the time. And maybe the recognizing it of it, the no noticing of it, is itself an act of the Holy Spirit. The late writer Rachel Held Evans said that God is in the resurrection business. And one famous way that the Spirit works is by giving people a new beginning, by resurrecting us. Maybe you've experienced this yourself. You've been going through a rough patch, 
Everything seems dull and lifeless, boring. You can't get yourself to feel much of anything. It's as if you're living your life in black and white. And then something happens. Someone or something comes into your life. And slowly, you find you can take a deep breath. And you begin to see colors again. And you get a second wind. You can call this anything you want, but I'd call it the Holy Spirit. Another way the Holy Spirit works is in reconciling relationships. Maybe you've had this happen to you as well. A relationship is strained or broken. You're just not coming, uh, connecting the way that you usually do. Maybe there's hurt or anger. And then one day, the phone rings or you pick up the phone yourself and your heart begins to open and the words come out and a reunion gets underway. You can call that anything you want, but I call it the Holy Spirit. Taylor says the truth is the Holy Spirit can work with hundreds of people at the same time. She says she's seen it happen over and over again uh, as people come together to make decisions or to seek direction, and they come into the room with their own agendas, ready to defend them. And then someone says a prayer, and people begin to talk, and people begin to listen. And for no apparent reason, positions begin to shift, and people begin to take each other seriously, and they become creative together coming up with ideas none of them would have thought of on their own. It's as if a fresh wind blows through the room and clears everyone's head. Friends, that's the Holy Spirit. Kate Bowler, a writer and Duke Divinity School professor, summed up our pandemic years this way. When we, when we saw all those nurses and doctors going out there trying to save somebody else's life, it was such a window into how gorgeous it is to be a human being. And the more we saw fragility, the more we understood what an incredible miracle it is that we have been created at all. And we learned during our time of isolation that interdependence is a gift. And the more we were apart, the more we realized how much we need each other. Friends, the Holy Spirit can unite us and heal our divisions. It can bring us together in unexpected ways because it is together that we most often find God. And unlike that story I told at the beginning, I, I have found God's Holy Spirit active and well here at FCCGE in countless ways. There is much to be done in our community and in our world, but don't underestimate the power of the Spirit when we work together. Once you get the hang of recognizing it, the evidence is easier and easier to spot. When you find yourself speaking with an eloquence you did not know you could, or offering forgiveness you had not meant to, 
when you find courage to reach out to someone you did not intend to or to speak up for justice, when someone says to you the very thing that you needed to hear, when you find healing in the cold and broken places within you. Friends, that's the Holy Spirit. That is God's own breath filling you and nudging you and occasionally bashing you over the head to bring you back to life, to give you divine CPR. Thankfully, God's breath, the Holy Spirit, travels somehow across time and space and the internet. So when we come together in worship as we do today, or whenever you are listening to this, you at home, I like to think that the Holy Spirit is even now swooping in and out among us, weaving us together in a beautiful tapestry through the songs that we sing, the prayers that we pray, the breaths that we breathe as one. It can happen with two people or 2,000, and that breath itself is a precious, precious gift. So this morning, I invite us once again to take a deep breath and keep on breathing. Keep on breathing that holy breath of life that melds us and molds us and gathers us in to be the people God wants us to be. Keep on breathing because God's breath counts on us to warm it up and to lend it our lives and then to take it on the road. Keep on breathing, because when we do, there's no telling what will happen next. Amen. Amen.